Hi, Ash Marshall Dell of the Attuned to podcast. And today I am joined by the wonderful Dr. Lena Martinez, a psychologist and author of the book, Little Less Fear, uh, Little Less Fear, as well as a fabulous website and book by the same title. And what's so fabulous about one, the website itself, is it is a plethora of resources for people with LGBTQIA, um, rare genetic diseases, uh, disabilities, dharma and Buddha, spirituality, poetry and prose, addiction and mental health. There are so many links and resources to help anyone with um, finding what they need to help them and their lives. And it's just such a wonderful way to allow people to access so many things in just one place. And of course, the core message is also beautiful. It's with a little less fear, we're a bit more open, which so much comes when we're more open. So amazing. So I'm super curious, first of all, what led you to do and create all that you have? Yeah, there's a lot that that I've created and there's a lot that I keep creating. And what led me, um, I mean, it's gotta be, I'm almost certain that I incarnated knowing that this was all part of my blueprint because creating became very natural to me. I started writing when I was seven years old and I I was, I remember being in my room um, and, and I, and I remember it actually came from being depressed, a depressed kid. And I was a depressed kid because my mother was an alcoholic and, and I didn't get much attention or love from her physic, physical love and, and, and that much attention because her attention was with the bottle. So at the time, I didn't know how to tune out depression. I was a second grader. And I can't really say that I was really depressed, actually, now that, I, now that I'm going to correct myself. But I know that I was in my head a lot and feeling like something was missing. And at the time, what was missing was the love of a mother. And so what I did that came natural to me was grab a pen and, and paper. And I started writing poetry. And I remember reading it back out loud and thinking, like, whoa, this came out of me. Like how, I mean, my spelling, I always was, I was a spelling bee champion as a kid. So, I mean, all this stuff came natural to me. And the only thing I can say is it carried over from a past life and it carried over to help guide me in the direction to where I'm at now at almost 43 years old. So, yeah. That's pretty wild. Seven-year-old having that much um, understanding of their own capability. Because often, you know, as kids, you know, you get a lot of, we have to do it this way, or you have to do this or that or the other. And you just went right into creation and knowing that in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting when we say that knowing that, yeah, it was more of a knowing rather than an understanding. I didn't understand why I was doing it, but I, I knew like an inherently knowing feeling that this was going to help me out. And I just, it was like flowing. It was almost like channeling because these words were coming through me and, and I was just letting it out. It was really amazing. That's awesome. It's so beautiful when you have that sort of flow and it just, woo, so easily. And it feels good inside because you're expressing yourself and you, you express yourself in a lot of ways through your podcast, as well as this whole book you wrote and your own poetry, which you share with others for inspiration. And I'm curious, were you writing the whole time from seven all the way through? And then even when you went into your program to become a psychologist, was that sort of a continual self-expression mode for you or were there sort of starts and stops throughout 
that whole journey? There, there, there are always starts and stops, but the stops don't last longer than like um, maybe two months. So from the time I was a kid to now, I mean, I'm constantly writing and whether they're three lines or two pages, it, the flow comes out. And uh, actually I did this last night, yesterday I was meditating on my balcony and I was, I was remembering this TikTok video of uh, some spiritual advisor that said, hey, try, try um, seeing if you can be creative with your eyes closed, see what you write so without thinking about it. But, I, but, but as I was about to write, I thought, well, how can I not think? I mean, it, it kind of like the thoughts come with feelings and the feelings translate into an action, which is writing on a piece of paper. So I, I couldn't, I, I tried to do that. And I was just sitting there with my eyes closed and my pen on my paper. And I was like, well, if I just focus, I, I'm, I'm not really interpreting feelings. And the way that I interpret feelings is by, is by thinking or, or just, I guess, going more into the words that impact that current emotion that I'm going through. And it translates like a piece of art on a piece of paper. So I then cleared my mind and said, okay, right. And then I just started writing with my right hand. I did it my way. So one thing that I've, I've noticed from creating is that a lot of people all over the world are going to get directions from other people in the world. But most of the time, those directions is what helped that person. So you have to find your own, your own connection with yourself and what helps you interpret your own personal language, your own personal energy, your own personal frequency. And when you find your own channel, go with it, trust yourself that it's coming from your higher self, from your divine, from God's energy, and it turns into love. And then that's when you start to flow. That's so beautifully stated. Yeah, because we all have our own very meaningful connection within ourselves. And when you really tune into that deeply and allow it to come out, obviously, you know, we have to clear things that we've had programmed or patterned on us, you know, by society, culture, religion, you know, life. And then once you start clearing more and more and really tuning in, it flows more and more and more. And you, achieve that deep deep sense of yourself through your expression it's yeah such I a think I can share expression. it with you let me grab my book one second so yeah I, I was right I won writing contests when I was a kid I got to be on newspapers and stuff um and 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 if if people tune into their achievements in their in their lifetime that will guide them through to their life purpose and what brings them joy so just remember the things you've achieved naturally <laughs> yes so here's what i ended up writing when i was done trying to follow the tiktok advice <laughs> this was my own my own energy here i feel the presence is near closer than the truth has ever felt i am inclined to feel rather than comprehend it is my understanding that feelings is the language of the divine and I feel love. So that's, that's what I wrote. <laughs> that's beautiful. And yes, it, it is. Divine is love. Like the most unimaginably unconditional, wonderful love. It's so good. And it's so fabulous that you tuned into that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So with all of that, you talk about, because there's an openness in how you share. So I'm really curious, what is 
open mean to you? And how, in a way, did you arrive at that? Was it a series of steps or was it just like a, another knowing or was it sort of trial and error as you, you know, figured yourself out and how you wanted to be in the world and what you were doing, you know, with all that you have created already? Yeah, I like how you asked the question, what does open mean to me? Because open is going to mean something to everybody. Everybody is their own individual. But yeah, definitely it came with a trial and error and uh, also quieting my mind and quiet, quieting my voice. But um, I guess I had to quiet my voice a lot growing up as a kid because I knew, I mean, when I first grew up, my, my, I was uh, brought a female. I was brought up female, I was born a female. Gen that was the gender that was assigned to me. And, um, but I, I felt like a boy inside. I always felt like a boy. I felt like a man. Uh, well, I felt like a boy. I'm barely now feeling like a man, but I felt like a male gender. That's what I felt that I wanted, that I felt mostly close to expressing myself in a more masculine energy. And I wasn't allowed to express that, that part of myself as a kid. And, uh, my mother forced me to wear bows in my hair and dresses. And, and when I became a teenager, uh, I got talked bad down to a lot unless I wore makeup because girls always wore makeup and um I would I mean I, it was it was a lot of of non-verbal abuse you know where my mother would give me dirty looks and and ignore me a whole day if I didn't look the way that she wanted me to look so it was really awful going through that and having to quiet myself while trying to find myself at the same time and uh also at the time I identified as a lesbian and that also wasn't allowed in a Latino Catholic household. So uh, I got, I often got, how do you know you're a lesbian if you haven't been with a guy? And I'm like, well, I'm 12 years old. I don't want to be with a guy right now, <laughs> you know, but even, but anytime I talk that way, it was like, you don't talk to your mom like that, you know? So I, I, I quickly learned to shut up. And the more I shut up, the more I, I, it became poison to my body. And I was born with a rare genetic disease, but it started to manifest really awfully growing up um, with a lot of tummy aches. Uh, my, my growth was stunted at 12 years old. I was 54 pounds. Um, I didn't have an appetite. I was really skinny, uh, bags under my eyes. I mean, it, it, I mean my, everything was stunting on me. And, and now that I can look back, it's because I wasn't able to speak my truth. I wasn't able to, to talk what I needed to talk. And and talk the talk and walk the walk. You know, I was walking someone else's walk and talking someone else's talk. And um, by the way, I, if listeners are hearing this, I want everyone to know that I've forgiven my mom, that I love her deeply, and that I know that whatever, however she brought me up is however she was brought up. And, and all, that's, that, all that is explained in my book. But these are the traumas that I went through in this current human life to, to help me be open. And what led me to actually be super open was... Um, after almost dying from this rare genetic disease, experiencing over 40 surgeries in 10 years and losing my voice for two years, uh, I became very spiritual. I learned sign language. And it was during that time of silence when I learned sign language and, and found my higher self that I started to learn about the chakra system. And I started to learn that if I don't speak my truth, these chakras are going to shut down and now it's going to create disease in my body. And I started to realize that a lot of this disease that was trapped in my body, dis-ease, meaning not at ease and discomfort, was because I was in discomfort and I wasn't speaking my truths. So I made a pact with my higher self. I made a pact with God that if my voice came back, I would use it to motivate the world. 
I went to school, got my doctorate in clinical psychology, and I'm not going to be a clinical psychologist because I found my truth within that time. I graduated 12, almost 13 years ago, and so much has happened since then. My voice is back. It's strong. And I've realized that if I'm not open with myself, other people are not going to be open and my chakra systems are going to be closed down. I'm not closed for business. I'm open. So I become aligned with my higher self. My voice is stronger than ever. My vocal cords are strong. I've got full control of my larynx and all my muscles here and on my neck. And I'm using it to motivate people with my podcast, speaking my truth. Yes, I'm a trans man. I'm a small man, four foot 11, 95 pounds, but I've got the biggest heart of gold and I'm going to keep on going. I, I, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Thank you. Uh, and honestly, it was hard for me to tell my story without crying at first. And even writing my book, I cried so much and it was so hard. There were times where I was writing chapters and I was bawling, but I knew that I had to get it out. I had to get it out. It, it is because I think there's a big lack of understanding in mainstream culture that our emotions, we store them in our bodies. Yes, really all of that. And it impacts you so drastically because emotions are actually hormone chemicals and they literally cause so many issues in your body and impact everything within you. So yeah, Ash, and speaking of of it being uh, stored in the body. So one of the first organs to go in my body was my urinary bladder. I lost my ability to pee. I was slowly losing my ability to pee, my ability to urinate. And by the time I was 26, I was, I was pushing really hard for urine to come out and I barely got any few drops. But to make a long story short, I found an incredible doctor at UCLA, a urologist. But after many surgeries of trying to save my bladder, it was unsalvageable. So by the time I was 33, I had an, a crazy surgery, 14-hour surgery where I lost my urinary bladder, I lost my urethra, I lost my appendix and 30 inches of my small intestine all in one big surgery, two blood transfusions. It's completely changed my life. And uh, I, I feel that a big part of my human life was lost at that point because such a natural thing that people take for granted to sit down and pee at the time I was sitting down or and guys stand up and pee, whatever it was, my ability to pee was gone. So I had to learn a different way to to urinate. And I was just sticking a 12 inch catheter in my abdomen, also known as a stoma. And I had to accept my new life. So I often asked myself when I was, when I spent 10 years in the hospital, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to deserve this? I'm such a good person. I've got a big heart. I have so much love. Why am I going through this? And now that I've interviewed countless of spiritual people on my podcast, including yourself, Ash, and, um, and, and, and have come in alignment with my higher self and then understanding the chakra system, I can see now that the chakra, the, sac- the sacral chakra, which is a chakra number two, if you're counting from your root up, that's where a lot of negative stored energy, where it gets stored if you're not able to express your sexuality, if you're not able to express uh, your, your sexual power, if you're not able to express what you want to eat, what's good for your body, all of your desires, all of that stuff is stored in that specific chakra. So it's now I can see and I can look back that it's no coincidence that I lost my ability to pee when that is where all that energy is stored. I feel that had I had the ability, and again, I've accepted that this is my journey and I've incarnated to tell the story for a reason. But, but what I'm saying is I can see now that had I had in, given myself incarnated to find a different path where there was more acceptance at an earlier age, that I was able to express my masculinity and be the individual that I wanted to be. And it'll be okay that I liked females at a young age. 
most likely I probably wouldn't have lost my urinary bladder, but I lost it. It happened. I love this incredible body that I have. It's got an incredible wisdom and I, I just, I love it. I can't even believe that I've gone through so much and I'm still able to keep going and keep telling the story to motivate others. And that's what my purpose in life is. And you are a gift to the world. You are, I'm sorry? You are a gift to the world. So are you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Right. It's, um, that is an amazing story because so many people struggle in so many different ways. And to be able to hear a story and know that someone went through something and came out stronger and filled purpose and feel good and love their bodies. Yes. That's, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to open and share your story, what a gift to the world. Truly. Yeah. I appreciate that. I want also people to know that it didn't, it wasn't easy accepting this body that I went through a lot of who's going to love this body. Who's going to, who else is going to love me with these disabilities? I have a feeding tube. I'm a short man. I have a small penis, all these totally things, these things that didn't even matter. Because what matters is energy. That's really what matters. There's a connection to love. There's love doesn't look at these things. Love doesn't judge. True love accepts everybody equally. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, it does. Yeah. Seriously. And your story is so inspiring. And I'm curious, was there one thing or several things that inspired you to do all of this work? Because you went through and got a psychology degree and then chose to do this rather than clinical psychology. So I'm really curious what thing or things inspired you on these particular choices that you made. It's a really good question. Yeah, so I remember being five years old and saying, I'm gonna be a doctor one day. And I kept that in my head and I didn't know what kind of doctor. I just thought I was, I, I, I declared it. I said it and I put it in the universe at five years old. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, I wasn't good at math growing up. I mean, I was always failing math. I was a straight A student at everything else, but math numbers. <laughs> and um, now that I know that dyslexia can actually be reversed at the time, I didn't understand dyslexia, but my number, my mind, my brain would reverse numbers. So 21s were 12s and 89s were 98s or 112s were 121s. So I was always constantly mixing numbers up and I didn't understand it. And I realized um, then that bi biology, in order to get a biology degree, I needed to go like calculus and do really well with math. So I became discouraged with that and I got my bachelor's degree in communication which it all, it all ended up helping me now because now that's what I'm doing. I'm communicating. So I got my bachelor's in communication with an emphasis in mass and a minor in Spanish. And then I went into epidemiology for my master's degree. And it, it, I was about two semesters away from graduating. And I, and I ended up dropping out. I said, I don't want to graduate. I don't want my master's in epidemiology. This isn't what I want to do. Why am I even doing this? And at that time, I became really depressed. And my father was cheating on my mother. They weren't accepting me being with a girl at the time. I had a girlfriend and I just got so depressed. I thought, you know what? I'm not, I can't be the doctor I always wanted to be. Nobody loves me in my family. Um, nobody even wants to talk to me. Um, why am I even alive? So I got, I dug myself in this crazy pit and I, I was 21 at the time. 
And the, the, the crazy pit of depression led me to have a suicide attempt. I overdosed on, on coding. And it led me to a 5150 where I was hospitalized for 5150 is a mandatory state 72 hour hold. But um, yeah, I woke up a couple of days later because I fell in a, in a, a slight kind of like a coma sed sedative type state from overdosing. And when I woke up in the hospital at 51 being held legally, I gave the psychiatrist a joke and, and he was like, do you know why you're here? And I said, yep, better luck next time. And he looked at me and he was like, what do you mean by that? And I said, what do you think I mean by that? I was being a total jerk. I was very upset that I woke up and that I wasn't dead. And so he said, you know, I'm mandatory to, because of what you just said right now, I'm going to, your mandate, I'm, I'm going to mandate to hold you longer than 72 hours. Mm -hmm. So I took a deep breath and I was like, all right, whatever. So I, they wheeled me into this uh, hospital or um, where they hold people that try to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was hospitalized with a bunch of elderly people. I was the youngest one. I was 21 and everybody else around me was at least 70, between 70 and 90. And I was like, what am I doing here? Why am I here with these with these old folks why am i being locked up why this why that and i quickly saw that they that the people around me were in a diff completely different state of mind that i was in so i remember i remember my second day there they called us in for lunch so i walked out there and i was hanging out with these elderly folk and i sat next to this guy i, I don't remember his name it started with an h maybe it was harris or henry or something but i think i called him henry in my book so i'll, I'll go with henry Henry was in his 90s and Henry was wheelchair bound and he had slit his wrists. And every time he was sli uh, slicing his wrists, he was hospitalized for it. So I sat next to him and I said, why are you here? And he, he slowly lifted up his, 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 his dwindling skinny arms, his long saggy skin. And I saw his incisions and stitches and I was, and I was taken aback and I was like, why'd you do that? And he's like, well, he said, I used to be a millionaire. And he goes, I lost it all. He said, my wife is dead. My only son is dead. Tell me why I need to live. And I stared at him and I was silent. And I saw his sagging eyes and his eyes were red. And I had no answer for him. And I just felt really heartbroken at that time. I didn't want him to take his life. And then I said, well, Henry, I think there are things in life you still need to do. And he's like, like what? And I said, well, how about this? And I started listing things. He's like, been done that, done that, done that. And I said, well, what about art? He's like, I've never been a good artist. And I said, well, guess what? Me neither. So we're going to be bad artists together. So I grabbed a poster board and coloring books and pencils. And I, and I was, he's like, well, what should we draw? And I said, well, how about an hourglass? And he said, okay. So while I'm sitting there next to this old man drawing an hourglass, he looks at me and he goes, well, why are you here? And instantly I wanted to cry. And I looked at him and I was ashamed and embarrassed to tell him why I was there. Here I am, bright, young, 21 you know, finishing my master's, like what my whole life ahead of me, how can I even tell him that I'm trying to take my life? So I, I, I suckered up and I told him the truth. And I said, well, Henry, I was trying to take my life too. And he gave me the saddest look, Ash. I mean, I feel like crying right now, actually, whenever I, it happens to me. I, um, it's hard. It's hard. I just, I looked at him and, and I saw how sincerely sad he felt that I was trying to do that at my age. And then I realized that night that I needed to change my life. And he, he changed my life. I don't, I mean, I'm sure he's, his presence isn't here anymore since that was over 20 years ago. But um, 
I went into my room, my hospital room at that point, and I started to, to write, to write about what my future was going to be. And I thought, what are these doctors coming in? What are they, what are they doing? Who are they? What are their degrees? How are they a doctor? So I remember a psychologist came in and I just started asking him about his career rather than talking about why I was there. I was like, what brought you to your career? Why are you doing this? What degrees did you need? Can I do this? And he was like, yes, yes, yes. So after being there for a week, I, I actually came out refreshed and I had a mission afterwards. I was going to drop out of epidemiology, get my master's in psychology and get my doctorate in psychology. And sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I, I started seeing a psychiatrist out of there. She put me on some antidepressants and I became aligned with what my next purpose was. And so I completed my master's degree in psychology and I completed my doctorate in clinical psychology. But after upon my completion of psychology, by that time, uh, the genetic disease was fully manifesting at the same time. So do you have any questions while I continue? <laughs> I want like to say holy crap <laughs> that yeah. is phenomenal what one conversation just that one interchange changed the direction of your life and it's it's truly amazing and it and it's it's really hard to take honestly that where we find the most growth in our lives is through pain yeah isn't it's kind of interesting I'll say that about it it is definitely interesting and just what it catapulted your life to a totally different place that's yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I see now that Henry was a spirit guide an angel of some sort and well, I'm just really happy there. to have he's met him at that he's always yeah, here. He is. he'll always be there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and it's those I think those moments of connection that even when things seem really difficult or challenging or down we remember those moments and I think they kind of help lift us up a little you know I think that's a such a a way of tuning into ourselves to really deeply connect with all of the people that have led us to where we are in Oh yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It is. So wowzers. So <laughs> with all that you've done, is there some advice that you might offer others as you're trying to accept themselves more or just working towards accepting themselves, period? Because honestly, we all have things, right? That we have not accepted. So do you have some advice that you might offer individuals that are struggling or, you know, whatever their story in their lives are for self-acceptance? Yes, I think that it could be a little detrimental to, to talk to people about self-acceptance because we don't know the type of pain that they're experiencing and the things that they still need to go through to learn the lessons that they need to catapult them to the next level um, towards their own expansion. So the advice that I'd like to give to people is to love the moment that you have. And if it doesn't feel lovely, keep going with it and trust that everything is working for you, not against you. So that even if something is very painful to go through, trust that even though you don't see the light at that moment, 
it, that, that there's always light at the end. And it's not just a cliche. The reason why people see light when they pass away is because that's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the eternal light. That's God's light. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, regardless. So trust yourself, even if it hurts. And authenticity will come naturally the more you're able to flow with the abilities that come out naturally, not forcefully. Oh, that's beautifully said. Yes, so much, yes. Yeah. And it's, and it's okay to change your career in life. Oh my word, right? Yeah. It's always okay. It's okay if you get your, if you get four doctorates and four different degrees, that's okay. You could do whatever you want in life. And, and as long as it feels right to you, go in that direction. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember reading, gosh, probably a decade or more, this funny thing someone had posted in Craigslist. So they put this list of 25 stories together of the most wild posts. And one was this young Harvard student that was asking for someone to come and impersonate him to take all his classes wow for the year he would pay you would have an apartment to stay in and he would pay you like something like 30 or 40 thousand for the year as long as you got him a's and I was like here I am this you know mother you know he's like honey do you think I could pass for this <laughs> and he's like honey Why not? that's gonna work well you know my kid might tip off then that I'm not an 18 year old student <laughs> yeah so it was really funny um, the way that people sort of do things to sort of um, make their lives go in a certain way. Because if something, as you say, doesn't flow for you and it's the path that you keep getting thrust on, you have to sort of make the choice, you know what? I know this is what everyone else would like and desire or thinks. However, this is my life. And this is what I would like. And yeah, it's, uh, it can be challenging to kind of go against the flow, you know, when everyone in your, your whole life is like, you have to go to college and do this, that, or the other, you know, and, and it is. And I have met people that, um, gosh, I had a doctor one time tell me that his very best friend had something like four PhDs and was working Absolutely. on another one. That's crazy. Holy smoke. Yeah. That seems kind of like a dream job to me in a lot of ways. Going to forever, <laughs> as long as it wasn't math, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How amazing that would be. So yeah, it's it's very interesting how what does come naturally for you flows so well. And when you accept that, right? Just the naturalness of yourself, that in itself is hugely transformational. So I would love to hear your take on that as well. On my take on uh, things coming natural to you? Yeah, and sort of the transformative power that's contained with in that, because often it's like where, you know, you force yourself or, you know, you're forced by whatever, just by virtue of being born into, right? To do or whatever a certain way, whereas, when you sort of discover your own naturalness, it's literally contained within your being. Yes. It's transformational in my opinion. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Cause it's, it's a really, um, it's not something we think about, is it right? Yeah. It's, it's, 
I guess it's challenging. I mean, I'm trying, I'm doing what's natural for me now, but there's more things that I want to do. That's more nat. That's also natural that I feel that will be aligned at the right time. But um, doing what's natural to me is what doesn't suck out too much energy. And you're able to have a lot of it without forcing it. So um, things that bring you joy that wouldn't necessarily bring someone else joy. Joy comes natural when you do this thing. And when you do this thing, it lights you up. It lights your true self, your higher self up. It, 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 it's, it's your love. It's your love language. And when you can express your own personal light, your own personal love language, that's, that's at least what I feel is what natural is. That's beautiful. I, I, I can't think of any better way to express that. <laughs> so, yeah. My Why biggest are... passion, and I, I was a mariachi singer when I was a teenager. You're I started kidding. singing when I was seven. And um, when I lost my voice for two years, I grieved my voice and thought I'd never sing again. And also transitioning from female to male, I, I thought, well, maybe I had a beautiful female singing voice. You know, I sounded like Karen Carpenter. You know, I had a great voice. I sounded, I sounded like Katie Lang. And when I, my voice started to change and, le, and lo and behold, when I completely lost it, uh, I thought I'd never sing again, but lately my singing voice is coming back and, and nothing feels better than to being on stage, seeing people sing songs with you. And, and, and it's just an alignment with, with source energy that doesn't come from anywhere else, but, but the gods. And the fact that we all have our abilities to speak these language, language of the gods I can, I can for sure let people know to not give up on life and to find your own God language. It's there. It's there. Trust me, it's there. Oh, yes. We all have that spark and that light within us because we all are. We are light, right? It's all good. Absolutely. Yeah. And one last question. Sure. Well, do you have any advice for people on finding more flow in their lives? So freedom, love, openness, and wonder. So any additional words of wisdom that you might like to share? Spend some alone time. I often hear a lot of people say, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. And I'm like, how could you be lonely? I mean, just because you're alone doesn't mean you need to be lonely. It's okay to be alone and it's okay to accept that you're alone. When people feel lonely, it's almost always because they're out of touch with their higher self. They're out of touch with spirituality. They're out of touch with their spirit guides and angels and, and, and higher beings and ancestral gods. I mean, all this stuff is all around the unseen. And if you spend some time alone, close your eyes, feel into your thoughts, feel into your energies and subtle energies and, and memories and people around you, you'll start to feel what the blind feel. And what the blind feel is through their divine energy and people's divine energy. And that is where the magic happens. So don't, don't be so hard on yourself if, you're, if you have some alone time. Perhaps that's your higher self pushing you to be alone to find your inner voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That was magnificent. Thank you, Ash. I'm so grateful you joined me today. This was so just, oh, mm, good. So, so wonderful. So thank you very much for joining me. And, and thanks for having me. My pleasure. How can people um, find you? Yes, people can find me on my website at www.alittlelessfear.com. All my links are there. All social platforms are there. And you can also email me through there as well. Oh, yes. Well, thank you very much.